Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast, where the political, cultural, technological, and other influential forces of social and mass media are analyzed under the light of critical thinking. You will not find extremist dogma, political partisanship, or herd groupthink here. I won't attempt to convince you of anything. I want to take an unflinching look at complex, hard topics intellectually. In the end, I don't care what you think, just that you think critically, as this allows you to unleash your own intellectual freedom and creativity in how you view the world you live. I am Dr. David Hopkins, adjunct professor of the humanities, your guide on this journey. But enough with the introduction, let's get started. And we are live, so this podcast... I have to take this topic slow. I have to check my emotions and I have to be open-minded to the complexity of this machine of higher education and the exploding cost. You know, I, I'm part of the higher education experience. I've been involved in higher education for 20 plus years. So I fully understand here there is no simple solution but still, we need to see who's causing this. And it's not to point fingers at any specific person, specific situation. But there are some irrefutable facts that we really need to address with higher education. You know, since 1980, roughly, inflation-adjusted tuition at public universities has literally tripled at private universities, it's more than doubled, you know, compared to all other goods and types of services in the American economy, including medical care, which gets so much attention, you know, only cigarettes and other tobacco products, basically because of the constant increases in taxes, have seen their prices rise faster than the cost of college. I mean, goodness gracious. If higher education expenses are dwarfing things like medical expenses, something is seriously, seriously wrong here. So you may think, ah, here we go. Those darn ivory tower professors are making real bank and they're driving up expenses like crazy. Actually, that would be wrong. And I want to talk about that. First, you know, by institution type, average salaries for full-time professors, these are your doctoral level institutions, they've increased roughly 2.8% uh, before adjusting for inflation. Uh, average salaries, if you go down to like um, a master's and associate's degree institutions, the increase drops to 1.2%. And then at the associate or community college level, 1% increase, respectively, meaning that the, the, the absolute buying power for faculty at, say, a community college is literally decreased when it's adjusted for inflation. You know, salaries at the baccalaureate institutions, they increased at 2.3, just to give you kind of the middle of the road, middle ground when you're when you're accounting for inflation rates. So basically, faculty salary is stagnant 
or in many cases, the earning power of those faculty have decreased. So with the stagnant salaries for faculty, we need to start looking at what else. So if it's not the faculty cost, what gives? Where is all this tripling of tuition coming from in the last 20 years? Goodness, we are, we're burying our students in debt and we're leaving them to deal with it for the rest of their lives. Or even more scary, we are stopping or preventing or scaring away students from even trying to continue their education at all. This is dangerous for our country. So something's wrong, wrong, very wrong in our public education system. So what is it? Is it maybe the sports teams? Well, I mean, in some cases, in some college, possibly, but usually at your major universities, uh, you know, they're, the sports teams are pretty much all self-supporting, even as grand as their budgets might be. Is it maybe these extravagant building projects that we see presidents take on? You know, sometimes, sure, but there's a much bigger and a more dangerous and even a more hard-to-stop trend. Because if we look in general at state budgets and their numbers, it really isn't that hard to figure out. And the problem at its core is this. Higher education has just hired armies of administrators. And in fact, administrators now outnumber full-time faculty on pretty much every college campus. Concurrently, over the, four, the past four decades, the number of full-time professors or full-time equivalents, you know, that's in, in education talk, that's slots filled by two or more part-time faculty members, uh, maybe sharing a position whose combined hours equal that of one full-timer. They've increased slightly, uh, slightly more than about 50%, which in fact is about the pace for the enrollment increases. But the number of administrators and administrative staffers at the schools at the same time, administrators has increased their numbers by 85%. And catch this, staffers, 240% increase. Here's an example. President, University of California, has about 2,000 full-time employees none of them teach now obviously california is a huge state but still the numbers are becoming stunning and more stunning all the time and they they just keep growing the texas higher education coordinating board the second largest state in our nation has about 250 full-time employees and it's basically an administrative agency overseeing other administrative agencies every year armies of administrators and staffers are added to colleges and university payrolls i just what you should do is look at any board of regents where they approve new employees have a look how many are full-time faculty how many are just part-time adjunct faculty and how many are administrative in some nature either an administrator or some sort of staffer you know, even as schools claim to be battling budget crises that are forcing them to reduce their full-time faculty, there's not been a concurrent stop on the administrative side. 
So as a result, universities are now filled with armies of these functionaries. And I know they're deemed absolutely vital to continued operations. Although it's interesting they're now vital to operations, but for you know 100 plus years our system has existed without many of them. I mean, you just run through the roles of the titles. We have vice presidents, associate vice presidents, assistant vice presidents, provosts, associate provosts, vice provosts, assistant provosts, deans, deanlets, deanlings, all, all of who command staffers and assistants to help support them in their very important duties, who more and more these people are directing the operations of, of every school. You know, the result, if we add add in all public and private university budgets in our economy it totals nearly 600 billion dollars and since 1988 that is up 129 percent you know look if if you listen to me frequently i'm not big on numbers and stats usually in my podcast i prefer just to talk more on the theoretical or the experiential level, but this topic required me to dig into this. As for my students, finances are of supreme importance, and for their parents too. We need to understand this phenomena. It doesn't get enough attention, and it's constantly sliding under the radar screen. You know, I encourage you, if you question these numbers, do some of your own research on your own. I mean, it's pretty well documented if you know if you start looking it up where these expenses are coming from. Um, so it's not really that much of a debate. It just I encourage you to go out there and look at them. But I think I'm. It's interesting. How in the world did the university, you know, the goal to teach, to educate, and perform a really vital research function in our society? How did this institution? become dominated by administrators in the good old days as i look back 1970s now that is a little before my time so i have no firsthand specific knowledge just researching this topic i found you know traditionally what happened is the top administrators were drawn from the faculty and even mid-level managerial tasks were directed by faculty members you know these they were kind of moonlighting academics and they typically took on these administrative slots on part-time or temporary basis. But, you know, they, they usually had planned or they did return back to the ranks of full-time teaching and research at some point. You know, I can still see this today on the colleges that I teach at and that I visit, but the extent is much less than it used to be. Uh, but prior generations, this was a very common thing, you know, and, and whatever the individual faults and gifts of faculty administrators, and I've been a faculty and I've been administrator, so I know there's weaknesses in giving faculty some of these duties. Um, but one thing's for certain, nobody ever had to remind them the purpose of the university was the promotion and execution of education and research. And, you know, any short-term managerial endeavors tended not to distract them from that long-term academic commitment to the student in the classroom. But the world today, 
full-time professional administrators, you know, they have these shiny EDDs, and I see the titles when I see the announcements of the huge number of brand new administrators and welcoming them to the college. Unfortunately, what I have experienced is I see these managers, they view management as an end in and of itself. And I mean, many, many literally have no faculty experience whatsoever. They haven't ever been in the classroom. And even those who have spent time in the classroom or maybe a laboratory, depending on the major, they they often hope or they appear to be angling for administrative work as their as their professional plan and the classroom is just something that goes on on the side and again i'm not going to overgeneralize because i work with some amazing administrators but the reality from what we see in the in the institutions is there just isn't that focus on education so for many of these career managers promoting teaching and research is is sadly less important than expanding their own administrative domains you know under their supervision the means the means have become the end the focus can easily it gets skewed from teaching to other specifics to fix or change or enhance the quote unquote educational experience but the educational experience that they most often want to influence is outside of the classroom, not inside of the classroom. College administrations frequently tout the fiscal advantages of using part-time or adjunct faculty. You know, they fail, however, to apply that same logic to their own ranks. You know, over the past 30 years, the percentage of faculty members who are hired on a part-time adjunct basis and adjunct simply nothing more than no benefits uh no health care no retirement plan just you get you show up you teach the class you get paid for that class uh just so we're clear on what that is it's it's a much much cheaper employee to hire for the college overall so so these ranks of adjuncts have have increased so dramatically that to today almost half of the professors in the nation are only part-time adjuncts to save money but yet but yet the percentage of administrators who are part-time under the same under the same employee level that's fallen during the same time hey for me i love I mean, I love to be a part-time adjunct. I love the freedom and the focus on just the students. I've been there, done that on the administrative side. But you know, if I'm honest, as much as I give everything I can to my students, every class session, all the time, it, it just isn't the same as having full-time, fully vested faculty who spend full-time hours on campus dedicated full-time to the institution beyond the classroom you know if the full-timers presence on campus is falling and i'm talking full-time faculty presence is falling and at the same time there are administrators running around everywhere because they're hiring droves of administrators it isn't really hard to see that the focus of the college 
is shifting from the classroom and education to the other things that administrators do. Ironically, or maybe not so ironically, the logic of the value of full-timers versus part-timers seems to apply just in the eyes of the administrators only to faculty, but not in their own hiring practice of administrators, which seem to which seem to put a much higher importance than on the investing in faculty. In particular, administrative growth may be seen primarily as a result of efforts by administrators to increase their role, their presence, their perspective, their position in the academic life. And if we're honest, including administrators listening to me, bureaucracy, all bureaucracies, whether higher ed or private sector or public sectors, they, they tend to try to get bigger, to gain more power and more importance. Very, very rarely do we hear a government institution say, you know, we captured all this power, but I think we're ready to give it up just doesn't happen and I think this bureaucracy of administrators in higher education it's happening now and I've noticed as a faculty member the deluge of email from various administrators and administrative offices they've been increasing over the years about this policy that policy this initiative that initiative this new plan this new training this new that or the other, all of course incredibly important to the success of the college from the perspective of the administrator who happened to send the email out. Bureaucracies, they have a strong incentive to maximize the power and prestige of whichever office they hold by working to increase its staff and its budget. And to justify such increases, they often seek to capture functions that are They're currently performed by others or sometimes, sadly, even invent new functions for themselves that that may or may not further the institution's main mission, which should be the quality of education in the classroom. You know, and I'm all for finding new, better ways, new ideas, new concepts, as long as it doesn't impact the most important thing which are my students in my classroom so they can afford to go to college. The number of administrators and staffers on campuses has increased so rapidly in recent years that often there is not enough work to keep them all busy. And I have seen this firsthand. The armies of not just the administrators, but especially when I go into certain offices in certain places and I see assistants and staffers. Um, how do I say this nicely? Let's just say what they call busy versus what, have I, what I've experienced working in the private sectors. They surely are not the same. And I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, sadly to fill in time, there sure seems to be a lot of make work activities, meetings, planning sessions. And this includes endless rounds of discussions mostly with other administrators often consisting of reports from the plans for other meetings 
not to pick on my experience with higher education staffing meetings, but in general, most of the agenda items involve discussing plans for future meetings or discussions sometimes about discussions from prior discussions. It's almost comical, and I was guilty of it too when I was administrator. The minutia and the the focus on things that we hold at such incredible importance through the chain of command sometimes gets a little bit crazy. You know, even when I look out right now um, at a university calendar and I see the teams, the quote-unquote teams brought together to study, analyze, and talk about the college, there are search teams, there are first-year-at-risk student teams, there are culture teams, there are event organization teams, there are retention teams, there's student life teams, there's parking teams, there's student advising teams, there's new faculty mentor teams, and the list goes on and on and on. I think you get the idea. But this podcast would go on for two hours if I kept mentioning all of them. Some of these teams are deemed quote-unquote so important to the survival of the college that they don't even put an end date to them and they continue on indefinitely and I can say this sometimes I see teams that are meeting because they've always been there even though quite frankly they struggle to come up with a reason to continue to be there I understand the challenges I've at various times held the title of here, let me give you some important titles. Vice President of Academic Affairs, Academic Dean, Dean of General Education, Assistant Dean of Education, Director of Education, Chief Academic Officer, Chief Learning Officer. So I'm not oblivious to the challenge, the real challenges that real administrators face every day. I've done the job. I know what it is. Uh, do I think administrators are evil? Of course not. As in any field, there, there, there's always going to be this, this group of power-hungry egomaniacs in higher education, uh, just as there are in sales or marketing or IT or any field. Human beings are just that. They're human I work for and have worked for, for incredible individuals and leaders uh, that have just been in, so supportive. And I'm a hard one to I'm a hard one to uh, to give high marks because I used to be one of them. So I can watch how they act and how they lead, and I can and I can appreciate the decision making. But you know, and I, and I also understand another reason that is justifiable for the increase of staff is this technology revolution that has just been ramping up uh, with online learning and goodness in the age of COVID-19 just a blasting out of the need for higher education to tech to catch up to the technology and that's being used to deliver education now. So I'm sure it's incredibly expensive to staff up on IT professionals and, and IT support staff. Uh, that, that simply has to happen. Um, and that's needed to move our colleges into the 21st century. Also, I surely know firsthand politicians and other bureaucracy. Um, and they're always sticking their hand in higher education. 
And so the colleges and universities, they all need to respond to mandates and record-keeping demands from federal and state governments and numerous licensure and, and accrediting bodies. I mean, all that takes time. And the bigger those bureaucracies get, the more they also want to push out more stuff onto the colleges and universities. So kind of creates a cascade there. Um, a third explanation has to do with some of the conduct of the faculty. And, and here... Having being faculty, let's face it, many faculty members today, they quite frankly want nothing to do with administrative activities. And they kind of view these as just obnoxious, annoying chores. And they are more than content to just say, hire somebody out and do that so I don't have to do it. So while there's some truth in this, it's not always the whole story. So if we keep it real, my, my fellow faculty listening in, uh, we're just usually not very enthusiastic of taking on administrative duties. And thus, some duties need to be put on to administrators. But, and so all of those are valid, but the complexity of this of the new world of higher education this doesn't let administrators off the hook not by a long shot you know humans easily fall into this phenomenon known as complexity bias and complexity bias it's really nothing more than this logical fallacy that leads us to give undue credence undue importance undue this is really the way it is to complex concepts. Higher education is very, very guilty of this. The fallacy in simple terms just says that when people are faced with two competing hypotheses, we as modern age humans, we are more likely to choose the more complex one. That's usually the option with the most assumptions, the most aggressions. And, you know, we tend to think... That if there's a simple solution, it must be the ignorant one. It's uh, for the simple minds. And, oh, that'll never work. That's way too easy. And instead, our complexity bias tends to favor really complex ones. And the ego thinks, wow, this is sophisticated. This must be really well thought out and intellectual. And a lot of times, when we try and make problems incredibly sophisticated in higher education what tends to be a solution well obviously we need more admins and to understand complexity bias we need to establish the meaning of these these terms because it's important and you know the cambridge dictionary basically defines complexity as a state of having many parts and being able and being difficult to understand or to find an answer to. The definition of simplicity, on the other hand, is something that is easy to understand or do. Chaos is defined as a state of total confusion with no order. So when we look at complexity bias, having a whole lot of parts and a whole state of confusion in no order clearly can justify hiring armies of administrators Whereas just doing the simple things, taking an easy approach, and taking care of our students in the classroom, educating them, supporting them, 
helping them through their academic issues. We solve huge chunks of the problems of an institution. You know, to show you this complexity that I'm seeing, I just went out and I Googled graduate thesis for education, higher education administrators. And I want you to listen and hear the complexity bias, even just in the titles of these particular theses. So here they are. These are education doctoral or PhD in higher education graduates. Here's a title for you. Boundary Spanning, Networking and Sense-Making slash Sense-Giving. How Career Service Directors Enact Mid-Level Leadership. Wow, that's a mouthful for a title. Another one. The Influence of the TRIO Student Support Services Program or First Generation Students. Another one. An Exploratory Study Organizational Culture in Community Colleges. Another one. Making Connections to Diverse Student Success. Another one. College Consortia. Engaging in and sustaining community collaboration efforts, non-credit and credit divisions in community colleges. Whoa. Another one. The Dilemma of Multiple Organizational Identities. Not sure what that is. Uh, space and Power in the Ivory Tower. Decision Making in Public Higher Education. Do you see where our education, our higher education administrators are going? They're going way outside our classroom, our core missions. And we're creating other missions to run simultaneously with the core mission of getting an education. But the reality is our students are there for something very simple. They want to get the education they need to be successful in the workplace. So can it even be possible for our higher education professionals to get further away from the classroom and make the idea of effective learning, teaching, and re research more abstract and more secondary than these topics? And this is just a simple smattering, just a tiny little sample. You know, hundreds of these research studies are published every single year. Talk about making the simple absurdly complex. Wow. I get it. The more and more minutia we study in higher education administration, the deeper and the deeper we go into a rabbit hole. The deeper we go, the incredibly more important the perceived minutia matters uh, to the point that all these things that were ancillary or didn't exist 50 years ago are now of utmost vital importance to the success of the college, you know, to the administrators who are diving into this minutia as evidenced by these research papers. I mean, these are the next generation. These are the education administration professionals of the future. These people scarily are going to, are, are going to run the colleges and we have to make certain certain that our administrative staff does not just go 
deeper and deeper into a rabbit hole of all these other things that are becoming different degrees in education. There's just the the explosion of graduate and postgraduate degrees studying all these different facets of education, but the focus on the classroom itself keeps getting less and less. You know, Confucius once said, life is really simple, but we insist on making it complicated. Higher education administrators, please don't insist on making college education so complicated. Please remember the purpose of the front on the front of those brochures that you have published by your armies of marketing and sales and consulting gurus who spin all that together that you give the high school students. Remember your ads and your slogans and the focus on the education. You know, the student's education is what matters. This doesn't require armies and armies of administrators to implement grandiose student service engagement plans, social justice plans, uh, student life plans. You know, let's just focus on quality education. If we really do this and we really make that happen, then everything else can fall in line. You know, this one is important in many ways as administrators grow in ranks and in power, they run the risk of alienating at an extreme level the faculty that educate the students. You know, actions always speak volumes, not the words, not the effusive words of appreciation that all faculty are used to hearing one time a year at the faculty fall kickoff meetings. And then after that, nothing else. You know, in general, there is a gaping divide between the administrators and the faculty in most places. Like I said, I work at some amazing places and, and it's good, but I've also seen the bad and I've surely heard of the ugly from others as well. I'm going to throw out just a couple. One from my home state at all, you know, it, home state of Florida. It's not uncommon to see administrative salaries grow dramatically in a state budget in comparison to faculty. I'm going to give you one extreme one. 2009, Florida Atlantic University was facing a $19 million budget cut in a hiring freeze, which they implemented in some parts of the college, but they awarded raises of 10% or more to their top administrators including the school president. Give you another one in 2009. Notice we're right after the housing collapse here and the economy was being thrust into recession. The president at a university in Vermont, he on record publicly defending the bonuses he paid to schools, to the school's 21 top administrators. Again, 21 top administrators. University of Vermont, not the most huge institution in the world either. Uh, against the backdrop of layoffs, job freezes, program cuts even. The university president, and his name was Daniel Fogel, asserted that administrative bonuses were based on principles of extra pay for extra duties and pay for performance. 
This president rejected a faculty member's assertion that paying bonuses uh, when the school was in this huge budget deficit um, seemed really similar to the greed of CEO corporate pay. But of course, um, he said that was absurd uh, that, you know, the, the outrage there is completely unwarranted. Um, of course, he didn't explain why and he didn't explain how. But see, administrators, when you do that and you write your budgets and you work with your with your boards, be cognizant. Saying nice things at a fall faculty kickoff, it's always appreciated. But we also see the actions and try and match your actions the best you can because that's what kind of brings us all together. So is there actually any way in the end of all of this for higher educate for this machine to self-correct and become responsible? Well, you know, asking presidents and administrators who write and submit budgets to cut their own salary or limit their own salary or stop hiring the armies of their own or hiring less staff is probably not real likely. You know, maybe there are some very disciplined and focused presidents, but not one, not many that are willing to cut or eliminate their own. It's more likely to keep hiring more. But in the college systems, the actual power, the final power to halt the onward march of the all administrative university is the board of trustees or the regents in some states. Uh, they really have the power to say, okay, enough is enough. They have the power to say, okay, we, we need to slice out 10 or 20% of the admin support budget. You know, figure that out, leverage your faculty, uh, combine positions, eliminate some that you can say are not essential. You know, but from unfortunately, from what I see from most institutions and their and their boards, uh, you know, they they tend to be unprepared or maybe don't fully understand or maybe maybe they're just disinclined and they don't want to make too many waves with the college president. But they really need to do so if their institutions are to be saved from, you know, expanding this swamp of administrative uh, mediocrity. There's no easy solution and everyone plays a part in this and the only reason I'm doing this podcast is I think it's vitally important for everyone to understand that this is about the students and I do this podcast for my students now and my students in the future the reality is society depends on us in higher education as faculty, we always got, we need to teach better. And I'm going to be doing a podcast on some of the things that I see myself on the university campus from faculty who, who quite frankly, probably need to not be on campus or they need to make some major corrective action. But for this one, it's about student cost. And we need administrators to step up step up and help control the costs. And one of the most important ways 
that we can control costs in any business is through the employees. And we need to make sure the employees we have in place are vital and absolute and necessary for the ultimate success of the students to provide them not only an education, but an affordable education, which is becoming more and more rare as we look across the university landscape in, in our society today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found value for the time you invested with me today. For discussion on this topic and many others, I invite you to join our private forums. I personally will be over there and engaging with everyone. And it's just a community of like-minded thinkers just like yourself. If you're not a member yet and looking for a community online that is very different, go to www.daviddhopkins.com. That's www.daviddhopkins.com. Follow the links and you can join us. You know, the best way to expand intellectually is to engage in a real dialogue in a way that fosters growth, understanding, and rigorous discussion without all the name-calling, demagoguery, and flame-throwing silliness of social media and the rest of society. This is what the private forum provides. I would love to see you join. Until the next episode, all my very best to you and your family.